0: And welcome to another edition of Lily High on Life with a fabulous new guest in the studio today, Mike Burroughs. Mike, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for
0: having me, Lily. My pleasure. I was very excited to have you on because so much of your life is an epitome of what Lily High on Life is all about.
1: And I'm happy to fit into that. Into that,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you do. Um, music is a huge part of your life, and you have been extremely successful in different aspects of music, which we'll go into during yeah. the interview. Um, and so, that kind of inspiration and that kind of energy that comes from music uh, is a huge, huge help in bringing you together and just making life good so tell me a little bit about what's happening in your life right now because there's a lot that you're particularly happy to be involved with
1: well right now um i've I was lucky enough to re- to get to record an, an album overseas and so i've kind of spent the last year really pushing that album and it's it's manage to connect with people you know it's amazing when you when you write these songs they're, they're often at weird hours of the morning and you're sort of on your own and you don't think they're kind of they're just songs that you write and then you skip forward and suddenly they've connected with people and people are writing about them talking about them
0: and it's so blase I was recording overseas yeah, these know, amazing sounds, songs but how did cool. that happen no no really it's yeah. not it's not just as easy as no well not
1: at all. Tell,
0: tell me a little bit about that journey.
1: Yeah, well, I had, um, I wouldn't say given up on, on on music. I just had moved away from kind of writing my own um, or, or releasing my own music. I'd set up my own um, advertising music kind of business, writing a lot of jingles and things, which I still do and still love. And uh, this, this, this the idea of writing songs had never left me. I'd continued, I had this whole book filled with songs that I'd continued writing but I just hadn't released it because children happened and life happened and, and all that kind of stuff and my wife um, sort of said to me you know I'm tired of hearing these excuses and uh, you can't kind of blame this stuff on kids and, and she was right and uh, she booked a show for me locally at the Lyrebird just here on uh, well it used to be here I think it's unfortunately good down. woman Good woman booked a whole lot of people to come along. And finally, I just felt like, you know, I was out. I'm not a religious person, but I do believe there's a spiritual light that follows you. And when yes. you're ready to tap into it, all kinds of amazing yes. things happen.
0: once you surrender. So yeah. I just want to let people know that on YouTube, if they can look up Michael Burrows, B-U double R-O-W-S mm-hmm. and I was really impressed with your songs because they're kind of a cross between a ballad and a cross between country and western mm-hmm. and yet they have that commercial flair to them and that's such a difficult compl- uh, combination but you've managed to, to do that in the three songs that oh, I listen to
1: yeah thank you well that's a combination of a lot of the bands that I grew up with and, and um and then also about the influence of the players in Nashville. You know, suddenly from that, that gig that I had, I, I got to record with my hero, Neil Finn, from Crowded House. He ended up validating me in a, in a big way by singing on a couple of my songs. How did that happen? Well, he's involved in a charity called Medicine Mondial, and I, um, there was an opportunity to record with him, so I got involved. and. You know, the next thing you know, I'm sending demos to my hero and you're getting an email back from your hero. And um, the next thing I know, I'm in his studio with him, sitting like we are today, and he's talking about my songs. And when he said... Do you mind if I sing the harmonies on them? I was ready to die in that New Zealand tour. <laughs> that was I was that was that was it as far as I concerned.
0: So you had to go to New Zealand, not all the way to Nashville to start with,
1: right? So that's right. So from New Zealand, I got some opportunities to tour with some some bigger artists. I posted a random video on YouTube from one of those tours, and somehow this guy uh, Larry Grimes, who's a uh, another fellow uh, Jewish guy from from Washington. Found the music, made contact. i have never met him before and he's still involved in my life and he basically said, let's get this music happening. I love these bashert stories of
0: things that are meant to be and so they are and you just let go. And that's what Lily High on Life is really calling to people to do, Mm. to connect to what makes them happy, joyful, to what their love is, what their passion is. doesn't matter how. And then... Whether these amazing, um, huge commercial things happen or not, Mm. through your passion, you're still a huge winner. But tell us about the great commercial stuff
1: that's coming out of it. Well, yes. So, you know... Um, Larry put all this in place. He got me to Nashville. We had the most incredible players. I feel so silly talking about the caliber of people, but, you know, from Grammy. You have wa- to. Well, from Grammy award-winning writers that I got to co-write with, one of the guys was a guy called Frank Myers, who's still, you know, involved in my life. And he he wrote that really big hit song, I swear, the moon and the stars in your eyes. You know, really big yes. song for All for One or whatever it was. He's amazing. You know, I got to write three of these songs with him. I got to record with, you know, people who mixed my album was a guy called Steve Mark Antonio. And Steve is the loveliest guy. And he worked with John Lennon three days before John Lennon oh my God. Was, was tragically killed. He's worked with, you know, I, I had Keith Urban's drummer playing for me. I, <laughs> I, I'm not a country singer or player, really. Mm. But I find that the Americana style really suits me. A lot of the bands that I like kind of have that feeling. They, in Nashville, they're really used to a certain type of sound that they're creating, even though Nashville is a lot broader now than just, you know, Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton. Of course. Um, And the brief to the band was really, look, look, look. you know, from Beatles to Crowded House to some of the other bands I love, let's just, we're not in Nashville today and tomorrow. We're just going to let stuff happened to these songs but their influence is kind of so in their dna
0: and so it was really about you being in the moment and them allowing you to be in that moment as you were recording and as they were playing with you Mm. did did you have that mess going on in your head about shit i'm recording with these people in nashville how did it how did it feel and did you bring your wife and kids over with you or How long were you
1: there? Yeah, I went a couple of times um, just to kind of meet the team and get to know them and really work on the song so that the the following time when I went last year or the year before, I was ready to record. And it's really daunting. And there's a video on YouTube under Michael Burroughs Music where you can see me in Nashville on the day there kind of going, I'm just this little boy from Melbourne. I I, I don't know how I got here and, you know, I feel so lucky. That this has come on me because this stuff doesn't happen to me, Lily. It just doesn't happen, and it
0: did, and it did. And so, just picking up on what you were saying before, you kind of almost given up on music, and your wife sort of did this, you know, and pushed you forward. Yeah. That feeling of when you were sort of giving up, and then that feeling when you were actually there. Can you, is it even possible to explain? what your mindset was and what got you on board with what your wife was was doing well, for you
1: uh, yeah look i think a lot of artists and maybe people in general with any kind of creative flair have that sense of the imposter syndrome you know of just when people when are people going to really find out that i'm just not talented and that this is all that i'm just a little man behind the curtain in the wizard of oz and uh, you know you, you're just not this big thing that we thought you were And it's very easy with social media to kind of be something bigger and larger than life than you are. But when you really have to go and put yourself on the line, be vulnerable and put yourself out there, that's when I really found out that, yeah, actually, you know, I I do enjoy what I do. I'm here because of the things that I did and it's taken me uh, many years to finally accept that I'm worth this because I've worked hard for it. It hasn't just happened to me. I haven't my way into anything,
0: yeah. And Mark, all that imposter syndrome thing that you just talked about yeah. is so so important because whether it's playing music or even you know somebody that's got an entry level job that for mm. the first time that imposter syndrome is there. So, tell me how you managed to smash that for everyone.
1: <laughs> Look, I don't know if I ever if I ever did smash that. I feel like I've always got that lingering. You know, yep. It, it kind of goes okay. with the territory of, I feel it's a security blanket in a way, because I, I never came out of an exam saying, I've smashed that. I yep. always came out saying, oh, I don't know if I did. Well, there were people that always came out saying, ah, nailed it, and they did. Maybe some of them didn't.
0: So I just want to tell you that it's not necessary. It's stuff we make up ourselves in our head. And every single person, no matter what they do, is absolutely special and capable and their best selves at that best time. The more we go through life, in it. Yeah. the more we learn about ourselves. The more we learn about others, but we intrinsically, as human beings, are absolutely awesome and worth it. Just because we're here, just because we were born. So
1: I agree, no, I agree with that. I just have never been one for, um, you know, expressing yourself on the back. Yeah, it's not yep. about it's not about being um, self-deprecating necessarily, yep. but about being. Um, honest and humble, I think, in the moment, yeah. because because there's, I know that's probably annoying. Oh. A lot of people are annoyed with that humble way that I that I'm sometimes kind of. Um, but
0: it's more about allowing yourself to fully enjoy, because I'm sure that in those moments that you were recording, you had nothing but joy going on in mm-hmm. your
1: head. Both well, fear and joy; they, they closely <laughs> okay. align. Fear is okay. It's fair productive. enough. Fair enough. I think, I, I, think um, I was reading somewhere the other day that, that and part of my mantra right now is really about pushing, being uncomfortable. Because I think you need to be in an uncomfortable space to be a little bit more productive. And okay. especially from an artistic point of view, I'm yes. finding that it's very easy to fall into safe patterns Yes, with everything in life. If you step out a little bit, you can only try and... Um, you know succeed or fail it's still worth the risk.
0: And you've been enormously successful in your life prior to any of this at all you had one job as a copywriter that you got fired from or something and then (laughs) went on to start
1: your own business. Yeah I've only had one job and I early 20s I think I got a job as a copywriter in an advertising agency. I'd always, you know, wanted to, to study advertising as a second degree. So I went into this job and the, the rule with advertising is last in, first out, in terms of when they lose a client. Right. So I'd, I kind of had just bought myself this little cute little car. I just, you know, I've had all this thing going on and thought I, was, thought I was it for a moment. And then the boss called me in and said, look, you know, here's a check and uh, you're not working anymore. And it was a real wake up call. I sat on there thinking, God, I really—how am I going to pay for all this in life, and what am I going to do? And how long had you been working there? Oh, only probably a year and a half. <laughs> you know. So
0: enough to get some experience.
1: Yeah, I, I was a mature age student studying advertising. I studied psychology as a first degree. I worked as a youth worker and sort of in this local area and got involved very heavily before then i was very heavily involved in the youth movements i worked i was really part of that, that scene and loved it you know it, i was
0: a hashamaer hatzair girl myself right, for a little okay. while
1: well, we, that's right kindred spirits and so it was always in me to be in part of the community But I wanted to do something a little bit selfish for a while. A lot of these um, working with families and kids and some really heavy sort of areas Mm. just wore me out a little bit. And um, uh, the advertising side was a little bit more um, fun. Yeah, fun. And so I got a job. I sat on the curb. With uh, nothing, uh, with with just a check and just had to realise that I'm going to start my own business from there.
0: So I'm going to ask you in a minute how you got your first client. So Michael, after getting fired, how did you get your first client and start your own business?
1: I realised pretty early on that I was really good at the hustle. You know, I never liked the idea of being a salesman, but I just found that I could easily talk to people and convince them to give me a shot. And I was more than happy to work for free for many years because I really still do mm. believe in that—that yes. that idea that there's no such thing as free or you know being paid for something you love doing comes when you when I think you're, you've really earned your stripes and, and absolutely. Your so I did that. I volunteered, and there's something nice in volunteering because there's no pressure. So if you do an amazing job, then you've earned it, fair and square. Yep. So I would always take a sales job that had commission-based things rather than a salary. You know, it just mm. was more exciting to me that the sky's the limit. And I was confident that I was going to try and smash it, being quite a competitive kind of kid. So who was your first client? First client, um, from a copywriting point of view, I fell into the real estate game as, ah. a, as a real estate copywriter. So I managed to work for lots of the real estate groups Going to houses, checking out things, writing those this sort of you know TLC or TNT kind of headlines, you know, detonate or or renovate. Um, I really enjoyed detonate
0: that. or renovate. Yeah. I love that,
1: and uh, I really loved it. You know, and it it paid really well, and I was kind of writing creative things. And what's your
0: your website is. Michael Burrows
1: Music dot com. That's for the
0: for my music things dot com dot au dot com yeah dot .com. Yeah, com. And I was um, just as I was scrolling, it kept scrolling and it kept scrolling right. and it kept scrolling because yeah. there really are a, a huge number of very different clients. Oh, that you're you've talking had about the, the jingle years. business, brand the jingle. music, brand, brand music, music. com
1: You're right. Oh, that's it, that's brand different. music. I kind of wear two hats. You well, you wear a words? number of <laughs> hats,
0: and it <laughs> yeah. seems like like very yeah, well. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you how that were started. how how it started and how it felt as the su-
1: success grew. Yeah, well that's an interesting story because I had played in bands before that working as a copywriter and i just felt that every brief i was given i was answering it with music it just felt natural to me to answer because i grew up in a in the 70s here in australia where we had come on aussie come on and you, you know you can't be to say for a snack and you know we know all that that kind of era it really made a, a, an impact on me as a kid mm. so i could i could walk through the supermarket aisles and whistle along to every brand so um i just love jingles i really still do and i probably should have been working in that era but this <laughs> era has still been wonderful because it's still about connecting with people via a hook
2: mm-hmm. and
1: my first client was with a friend of mine who for the army the edge a big national client It's an amazing mm-hmm. client to get as a first client i had no idea what it was um, we wrote this thing in half an hour. Was kind and of what is it? The Army. Well, the Army. Oh, the, actual, the, the army actual Army Army. Wow. You know, as a pacifist, it was a really great client to have. And um, <laughs> Don't you love the universe's sense yeah. of humor? <laughs> well, we we created this, this jingle. took us about an hour. The guy said, put a piece of paper and said, can we pay you this much? And we both were just like, I'd never seen that much money in, written down. And I said, yep. Uh, yeah that'll be fine we can do that (laughs) and um, we did it it went on air I didn't even understand what the industry was about but having that as your first client was amazing to sort of snowball into everything and collect absolutely yeah
0: and then as the business grew and I'm assuming that first check was the minimum that you that you then based fees on that
1: kind of well that was a big client so you know Fees have been like that for, for big national clients and smaller businesses. It, it really varies, you know. I, I
0: You work because you love it and you will yeah, tailor yeah, and you're not yeah. hard and no. fast
1: on. No. Every dollar to me is, you know, important and um, we're pretty flexible. But we have got from there really been able to work with lots of great brands, you know. And, and
0: you had a lot of – did you have a lot of, some stops and starts with all of that? Because after you had your kids, mm. you were – you, you mentioned that it yeah. you started doing it a lot more seriously.
1: Yeah, well, it's sort of, that's right. I mean, you know, there's nothing like necessity to kind of prompt a desire to kind of really succeed in something. And I found that I really had a knack for writing these little ditties and selling them. And brands were kind of wanting to work with, with me and, and uh, the business. And it's grown and grown and grown. And, you know, this year we're still, even today, I, I, before I came here, I was at the studio writing a jingle for... Uh, it happens to be for a hair regrowth brand. Wow. You know, so
0: it's... Good stuff. Yeah. Now, you were kind enough to bring your guitar into the studio yep. with you today. Um I'd love you first to play one of the fa- one of your favourite jingles that you've written oh, wow. that people or one that people might recognise. Yeah. Are You yeah. good to do that. I can
1: do it a cappella without the guitar.
0: Okay, go ahead. Uh,
1: well, you know, one of the ones that was a really important one for us was the one three cabs. Anytime, anywhere, one three cabs will get you there. You know, it was a, it's very gonna, cool. It's on now, and it, it's a really big one. I can play that anywhere. Um, we do all the chemist warehouse jingles, so. Um, Camus Warehouse, why pay more? You know those things are on air now. And, and I
0: was really impressed because you think of jingles, but you do a lot more than that. You write uh, for video games. Yeah. Um, you, I had to dig a little bit into this, but yep. Sonic sounds, which yeah. once I got the concept yep. was amazing. But do you want to talk about what Sonic yeah,
1: well, sounds? Sonic logos, are? I guess it's just a, a distilled version of a jingle. So it's like the you know the Intel logo, dun 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 dun. dun. That's yep. really what it yep. is. So brands have got a chance to like their own logo have something that that goes on the end of all their communication because there's so many touch points for consumers to come into contact with brands and businesses so businesses have to think a little bit more of how they're going to cut through and stand out to people so if you can do it via a a sound or a makes so much sense
0: and with the video games and other areas did that just people came to you because they liked the work you were doing yeah. with the jingles. Absolutely, it's awesome. kind of all
1: transferable. You know, you, composing means that you can compose for any medium, for any any style, any kind of brand. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask you to play and sing one of your songs uh, yeah, because. Sure there's so much to talk about and time's getting away with this and i really want no people at all. I will to grab hear that yeah absolutely and um, you're listening to michael burrows and you'll be listening to michael burrows live which with uh, one of his own original songs that's uh, recently recorded in nashville
1: How does that sound does that sound like you've got the thing um, this is called brightest star and i got to write this in nashville um it went on to do great things. Got into in the US Billboard charts, all that kind of stuff. You know, blah 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 blah. But it was O M G,
0: US OMG, Billboard, yeah, US yeah, Billboard charts.
1: Amazing, absolutely. Um, and I wrote this when the kids were really young, and I used to kind of just watch them fall asleep and imagine all these conversations that I'd have with them, but just they were too young to kind of get through it. <laughs>
2: When I look at you, I see all my dreams, all my dreams in you. When you fall asleep and your eyelids give in, I can't stop smiling at you. You're my brightest star, my brightest star. The sun's got nothing on you. You're my brightest star, yeah that's who you are And I will always love you When I'm holding you, I just want to hold you tight Tight against my chest When I look in your eyes, I don't want to let go. This world is such a mess. You're my brightest star, my brightest star. The sun's got nothing on you. You're my brightest star, yeah, that's who you are. And I will always love you. One day you might move far away Chase someone, steal their heart And even though I know you'll have to go I'll still be here even when we are apart When I look at you I see innocence and everything that's good You're my brightest star, my brightest star The sun's got nothing on you You're my brightest star, yeah, that's who you are And I will always love, yeah, I will always
0: Michael Burroughs. What an awesome song. I was starting to tear up oh, then. It's j- And as I did last night when I was listening to it, it's so beautiful. Thank you. Did the kids appreciate it was written I for them? So.
1: Yeah, they kind of fight over who it was written for. You know, got two boys and... They sound um, normal healthy. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's a pretty special one. And that particular song when i play it live it seems to really connect people can really sing along to it and it's had some great sing-alongs at some recent shows last week in sydney and you know i I really enjoy playing it absolutely fabulous as are some of your other
0: tracks as well thank you um so tell you your life seems to have taken you naturally into a lot of really good places um so tell us about this wonderful woman that you married and how you met her.
1: Yeah, well, Noi is her name, and uh, Noi, Noi, and she was a neighbour. We we were living in Elwood, and um, you know I saw her uh, walk in to to rent the place next door to me, and you know had a feeling, and pretty soon we were you know we were dating and had kids pretty soon after. And <laughs> how know, all... easy is that? Well, you didn't
0: have to ask her out. You didn't you have
1: know, to. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I guess you know it's dangerous doing something so close to home <laughs> in case it doesn't work out <laughs> um but it it did work out we we had two great kids and she's wonderful she's a writer and uh she works very closely in uh for uh was a director co-director of Melbourne Jewish Book Week and really yeah really engaged in everything and, and loves her her work
0: really nice really such a great lovely story yeah. and then the two kids came yeah. they're how old are they now?
1: Uh, we've got 12 and, uh, well, 11 and 9. Yeah, yeah,
0: and they keep getting better and better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can I, I get that in writing? <laughs> yeah,
0: yes, they do, so. especially because they're boys. They're much I easier so. than girls, I've been yeah. told. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had my own, so I yes. dote on everyone else's. Yes, and you're welcome to And, and these absolutely <laughs> much. <laughs> Um, So, Michael, you came from a very musical background. Your family uh, were a lot of them, classically trained musicians. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, my father, Sam, uh, who um, can pick up any instrument. So we grew up with him just being able to pick up any instrument from harmonica to guitar. And You know, he's not trained. He just can play and sketch out tunes. So I kind of grew up with that sense that you can just approach something, try it and see what happens. As it turns out, my first cousins, my mother's sisters' children, were all in orchestras of certain sorts. So from the ACO to the you know MSO to you know from violin and cello, my, my um, cousin Sh- um, Sharon um, Leibowitz, who's local as well, uh, you should have her on definitely. She's got great stories of playing with Ray Charles all the way through to you know the Who. OMG! I mean, yeah, and she's uh, you know amazing. It meant that we, when we got together, we were always jamming. And my mother ca- caught on to that and kind of felt that she could put on these community events, which were spontaneous. But hundreds or so people would come to these halls around our area. She
0: just got people together yeah, and put on a performance yeah. with family yeah, members. Yeah, we had
1: a PA and we had microphones. I and love that. I I think she was quite a kind of a trailblazer because... These were really shows that they weren't ticketed, they weren't anything, but they had a lot of people that came, sat and listened to music. It was kind of like what they do now in abandoned halls. She was yes. doing that in halls. and Way back then. Yeah, and we'd have a big sing-along at the end and all her friends would come and perform and everyone played a song and or did poetry. Or I
0: love that. I actually have very close friends who put on these musical evenings at their house because one mm. of them, their daughter lives in Ireland, but right. she's a professional singer, musician, yeah. and whenever she comes into town, they invite everybody over and yeah. she has her friends over. I'll have to invite you next yeah. time well, as it's well. A big,
1: there's a big movement of parlour-style shows now. Yes. In fact, there's a real... Um, There's a lot of groups that specialise in booking parlour sort of shows into your house, yeah, so that you can provide the house and really well known, respected artists will come and play and they'll get tips from everyone, sell some CDs, and everyone's happy.
0: Fabulous, yeah. So, you remember a lot of music being around the house?
1: Oh, yeah, we grew up, um, you know, with a lot of Beatles. Um, I don't know if it's a swear word now, but Rolf Harris, you know, um. (laughs) I still, you know, love all that sort of stuff. He
0: was talented. We didn't realise he was not a well man. No,
1: yeah, and um, Chad Morgan, who we actually saw a few weeks ago, um, he'd be in his eighties or late eighties, and he came to Bentley and played some songs. So we grew up with a lot of music. Um, We played shows. We learned how to perform. My brother Danny. is a really talented singer and he was always the singer of the family and i kind of did harmonies with him we played all the omarts mood concerts together wow um at the art centers and those kind of places at the palais and thing palace very so we, impressive yeah, we really really grew up having now, music in our life
0: uh burrows you, your parents are from poland what yes, do you
1: baruchovic baruchovic very nice changed it to burrows just so that it (laughs) it eased them in and i had to to
0: ask (laughs) yeah it
1: it meant that when they uh i think they went to caulfield high as their first school coming from poland and uh probably just sounded you know a bit much sounded too too jewish (laughs) just jewish or a little bit orthodox as well I don't know. I guess it does. Now it does. Now it's a pretty cool surname. I wouldn't mind being. Uh, a,
0: no, no. I'm just your oh, parents. Well, no, yeah, at the, at the family. No, no, not, not at all. all. Just not at all. I think happy religion to come
1: became out. something that I'd never really mm. got into it with my grandfather when he was alive, but I've got a feeling that generation just ran away from anything connected yes. to judaism because it, it only brought trouble they
0: went to one way one extreme or another yeah. and it's all good yeah. And, yeah. and and all good so did you do you have music around your house do we, even before the kids especially
1: with the kids yeah both myself and my wife really really love music we go and see a lot of rock shows and concerts and and the boys are slowly getting there they're, they're totally influenced they've got their own music style that they're into and I definitely didn't want to be a, a parent who stopped that. I, As much as I don't like a lot of the music, which I never thought would that would be possible. Right? I'm surprised.
0: Yeah. What th- kind of music is it uh, that you, you wouldn't know, like? I think,
1: I think swearing in music has got ah. a place when you're really angry and when there's stuff, but it's like it became an easy lyric for for a lot of these and artists. And they're
0: only nine and, 9 and 12. Yeah, but so. I
1: didn't want to stop. Yeah, I understand that side of things, but I also swearing has got a part in... When you're feeling something in poetry, in music, in writing, it's okay to swear. It, if, yeah. that, if the F word comes in and it, it, it's percussive and it it, it, it accentuates a feeling that you've come from real hardship, that's okay. Yeah. I, I don't mind it in art's sake, um, in art form. So that's kind of what they're into. <laughs> <laughs> that's ri- What I find personally
0: really wonderful and cool about what you just said yeah. is that you really have a, a good moral compass and swearing has become just such an in- integral part of people's language our age mm. that their kids take it on yeah. and it's there. is uh, I'm, i love your acknowledgement that supports mind there really is something wrong with expressing yourself in that way when it's not appropriate
1: that's right i think it's about appropriation that's right you know i'm all for it when it when you hear a a beat poet and they've you know they've lived in trailer parks and they feel it and that those words come out i i I would expect it and i want it and i'd miss it if it wasn't there but when it just becomes part of something you know you know i am not going to say the words obviously but just b words and f words and it's just it just doesn't seem right and know it's not even an old fashioned yep, sense of it yep, i just don't no, no. i think it's an easy too easy I, to just swear
0: i just love that there's I'm still saying some not mor- i don't swear <laughs> no no i i understand completely yeah. but i just love the moral compass guidance oh, yeah. which is really really good yeah. um now As you heard in my introduction, I used to stand up on tables and sing, but I would demand payment for it at that time. So you have, you must have have been good.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you were. I was just,
0: I was blonde and cute You get away with a lot. You could say I want money. (laughs) I love singing, but I would not want to listen to myself (laughs) if I was someone else. But um, you have a memory of fourth grade where
1: you actually sang to a class. Well, yeah. Interestingly. Um, this is how far Neil Finn goes into my life is that Split Ends was, you know, he was the younger brother joining that band and they were so, they affected me so much that that, his voice that I um, loved it back then and so in grade four I have vivid memories of standing up and playing one of their songs with a tennis racket and feeling that adulation of people kind of loving the music I love that so
0: you had that feeling of joy pretty much throughout your life yeah, I'd love to get another one of your songs. Oh in, yeah, sure. Um, because there's we're running out of time, okay. and and the, we definitely need to uh, to do that because yeah. they're so good. Um,
1: okay, well, this one I think because I played one for one son, I have to do the other one. Yes, otherwise, uh, you know.
0: <laughs> See, I would have said that first one was for both, but <laughs> now you've put your foot in I it. Put go my ahead. Foot in it, so uh,
1: <laughs> this is called a beautiful one. And this was the f- uh, the third or fourth release from the EP. And, um, yeah, it's a really special song to play. Again, uh, it was a really trying time. Um, my second son, Levi, was born um, really quickly in our bedroom. Um, <laughs> without, wow. We didn't have time to get to the hospital. My wife then had a real life or death situation that happened. So I was kind of stuck in this situation where I literally had life and death happening at the same time. Everyone... was okay and we we all survived it but out of that, you know, sometimes stuff just happens and you get to write a song about it.
0: Mm. Michael Burrows
2: Don't you get me talking You never fall asleep like that Pretty soon it's the morning. And we've got things that need to get done. Good night, my beautiful one. Sleep tight, my beautiful one. You are my moon and my sun. And there's so many things That I should tell you babe before I forget I'll tell you everything one day But right now there's no more time to play Good night, my beautiful one Sleep tight, my beautiful one You are my moon and my sun And all your heartbreaks and toothaches Will all heal in time And it's all moonbeams and ice cream And sweet dreams tonight Oh, so just close your eyes Just close your eyes Once in a while, but every now and then you lose your smile, and that's not your style do 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 all your heartbreaks. Toothaches will all heal in time And it's all moonbeams and ice cream And sweet dreams tonight Oh, so just close your eyes Just close your eyes Don't you get me talking You never fall Sleep like that And pretty soon It's the morning And we've got things That need to get done
0: At the end, it's a <laughs> Michael Burroughs, very well deserved Thank on you. Lily, High on Life. Michael, if you're, if you're saying your brother is the one with the voice, yeah. I would love to hear
1: him because... Oh, he's got a beautiful
0: voice. <laughs> yours is pretty amazing to me too. Thank no, you.
1: I'm, just I'm slowly getting an understanding of what, what I sound like. It's taken a while to find my voice, but I feel quite comfortable.
0: And especially to play on just on just a guitar like that in a yeah. studio is... There's nowhere uh, to hide. There's nowhere <laughs> to hide, and it comes out magnificently. So oh, really, really you. good. Michael, do you remember your parents, when you were young, talking about... Poland and what they'd experienced there and um, stories of the the old country?
1: Yeah, I do. I have a sense of of a a couple of generations talking about Poland, and it really was about hardship and about um, just not having things and not having the luxury. And and look, I, I, as a parent now, I'm finally kind of understanding just how hard it would have been to have to pack up everything and put everything into a suitcase and and arrive at port melbourne and
0: did they go through the holocaust or they came before they,
1: from what i understand my grandfather or his his kind of family just before they were kind of a lot of them were killed um had to make a decision and some of the family went to israel some went to america and some went to australia i mean even to, to think about that Mm. Such big decisions. I mean, how do you decide who goes where, who does what? And,
0: and at their age at the
1: time. At their age. You know, I mean, horrific stories of my grandmother um, going to meet um, Esther, going to meet Isaac, my grandfather, in Russia, well, because he had to fight in the, in the army, and then coming back to their hometown and family were killed. Mm. I mean, I, I don't even... Th- those stories would, would be front-page news of any newspaper, just one family. And this was for everybody.
0: And you don't really connect, as you said, until you get a bit older because it's a horrific story. But once you're a parent yourself, you realise the real enormity as well. Yeah,
1: I I was lucky enough to go to Auschwitz. And, you know, you grow up with the Holocaust stories and you read a lot about it and there's just this sense of this word six million and this sense of foreboding guilt almost of, of feeling that, that you're part of it. And I don't think... Um, I Even at those camps... Um, it sounds horrible, but they were kind of pretty. Now they've grass and there's seats and it's a tourist kind of place. But until I went into this that that room with all the shoes, until I found a pair, it didn't hit me. Once I found two of the same shoe, I realized that it, it, you know I I broke it, it. Broke me. I left with a million. Were you
0: more on Christians. your own or with your parents? I was with or? a
1: group and. Um, when I found that pair of shoes and realised that that was a person, because it's so... Ha- how do you fathom this room full of millions, thousands of shoes? It's yeah. its so hard to understand.
0: Yes. And the glasses and all those other things.
1: It's so hard to understand it. You know, you grow up with those images mm. and you you know that something horrible has taken place. Yeah. And it's part of your DNA. Yes. Yeah. And um, so your grandparents came out...
0: And you had grandparents here as well? Yeah,
1: very lucky on both sides to have grandparents. Mum and Dad apparently were on the same ship and apparently went to primary school together, um, if I'm correct, in Poland. So they, you know, it's... And met and married here. yeah. Yeah, went to the same high school and ended up in the same place, yeah. And still together now, And Sam and Lily, they're wonderful.
0: Gorgeous. Yeah. Love the name Lily. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it from appreciate back home it. too. I was yeah. actually born in Russia. and It was Lilia when I Lilia, came and yeah, and made sense. Lily. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you. How do you give your kids now a sense of that background and history without making it yeah. frightening and scary, but putting it in context of what's a, happening it's a really in Melbourne question. today?
1: Really good question. It's it's kind of like, um, and they're also not at a Jewish school, and we're not religious, yeah, yeah, other than yep. the holidays and things like that. We are but trying to connect more um, as Dylan goes through his bar mitzvah and, and you know, connecting more with his Judaism.
0: So you've but connected him to a synagogue or are yeah, still looking yeah. for no, it? No, yeah. we're,
1: we're part of a shul and, and um, feel really good about it. It's it's just, it's it's a really tough one because we went to Hiroshima last year. We went on a wow. Japanese trip. My wife's half Japanese, so we that's a big part of our culture and family. Yes. And, um, so we went there, and that was even hard. Well, as yes. rightly so. I mean, yes. you know, this is a, a beautiful country that's that suddenly, you know, have so much death attached to it with, with horrific circumstances. Mm. So Dylan and I went for a walk through there, and it was very hard to kind of have very basic conversations with a 10-year-old about, about just how cruel the world can be. I think they've got a sense... As I did as a, in primary school, not going to Jewish schools, that just being Jewish, you just have something that there's something different. Your food's different. Your humour's different. I was very embarrassed of chopped liver in my lunchbox and couldn't explain it. And you know, it was very. So you hard. don't
0: do that to them, but. <laughs> no,
1: no. I guess each generation tries to protect the kids even more. So, while still being strong about your history and you know, yeah, so and proud really of being... Yeah. I don't have the answer to that yet. Yeah. I've got to face it soon. It's an okay. ongoing.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was really interesting. Did, did you manage to get to any of the Jewish International Film Festival sessions? Not
1: this time, but this, that, there's a one film I really would love to see. Uh, I think it closed this, the the film festival.
0: Um, oh, Jojo Ravish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen yeah, that, but they have yeah. extended it, so you oh, good, probably okay. will be able I'd to like see, see it, it. again. Yeah. But there are s- there are so many... Um, even Doc asked Dr. Ruth about right. um, the the sex therapist, mm. but it really goes back about her life. And I think that's also a, perhaps a really good way to um, to have your kids go and see movies like that, which are about people who survived, mm. but they also tell the story in such exceptionally special ways. So yeah. Dr. Ruth, the way her story unfolded was. Just amazing, and uh, what will become of us? Frank Lowy's story oh, yeah. was excellent, amazing. but and he went back to Auschwitz. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful way of, um, of, of 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 teaching history yeah. without going yeah. way too over it.
1: I kind of <laughs> feel like Woody Allen films, as you get older and go through different things, they all mean something different. Different. Time.
0: And yeah. we've only got a couple of minutes, but yeah. what
1: is, what's
0: coming up for you? What's next?
1: Well, now I'm I'm currently writing again, so I'm really excited to record a new album. And um, I'm really looking forward to spreading my songwriting wings now and, and finding more opportunities overseas and you know here it's, it's an exciting time. Business is good, life's good, family's good. I feel very lucky, very fortunate. Lovely to speak to you and you know that that um, you know other people who are really.
0: I'm excited about what else you've got coming up as well, oh, because as I was reminded in some of these films, the lady from X, she restarted her business at the age of ninety. Oh,
1: amazing!
0: And Moshe Rabbeinu was only asked by God to lead the Jewish people no. when he was eighty. So, lots I'll, of I'll time for lots for a, of things. A burning Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Burrows, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Lily.